From Lansing Community College, this is LCC Connect, and this is Land Stories, with me, David Seawick. Each episode explores a different topic, such as the people, business, neighborhoods, communities, buildings, and other phenomena that make up the history of our college and our region. We tell stories, and in doing so, we connect the past to the present. Land Stories, Episode 19, Alarm Box 23. As one walks around Mount Hope Cemetery in Lansing, one notices many graves, some of which are of Lansing's most famous residents of the past. In fact, every time I drive by that cemetery, if I'm at the uh, intersection where one can see the uh, old mausoleum, it's very easy to uh, daydream for a moment about all of the lives that have passed through the years as Lansing has come and grown and developed. And as you're walking around the cemetery, if one chooses to do so, you notice several things in cemetery that you would typically find, but also something that you wouldn't typically find, and that would be Alarm Box 23, which is a uh, exactly as I just said, it is an old fire alarm box. Some of you may remember that at one time, uh, Lansing and other cities around the United States had these things. They were call boxes that were located on the street, looked kind of like a sign, except they were red, and they were the fire alarm that anybody could pull if they noticed a fire. And the alarm box number 23 was the firebox that was first called when the Kearns Hotel fire broke out at 5.30 in the morning on December the 11th of 1934. And the Kearns Hotel fire left a legacy in Lansing that survives to this day. And if anybody in Lansing is ever in the unfortunate circumstance of surviving a fire, or being in a fire, I should say, I suppose if you survived it, you would be more fortunate than the alternative, you may be seen by a group called Box 23. And Box 23 is a very special and unique group uh, that exists in Lansing. And they are around to support firefighters on the scene of a fire. And Box 23 takes its name from Alarm Box 23 and the Box 23 Club that has 23 people in it to this day that serve in this absolutely vital role takes its name from this fire and the alarm box, Alarm Box 23, that was called when the fire was first noticed or at least when it was noticed by somebody who was in the vicinity of a call box. How did the Kearns Hotel fire break out? Why is the Kearns Hotel fire one amongst the many that have occurred in Lansing's history that survives in historical memory? And what are the lasting legacies of that fire? It, it turns out the fire had a, a tremendous lasting legacy in Michigan, uh, not only in permanently changing the lives of all those who were affected by the fire, but it also led to some pretty important changes in the state legislature, and we're going to talk about that. 1934 is the year, therefore, that comes into focus, and the Kearns Hotel fire breaks out in the early morning hours of the 11th of December, 1934, which was a Tuesday. Now, that previous Monday, December 10th, is part of where the story begins, but it also partially begins way back before that. Actually, all the way back into the year in 1908 uh, and in 1909. In 1908, the uh, Michigan State Constitution 
was rewritten, substantially so. And that state constitution had in it uh, wording that stated in the event of a, a dispute over the result of an election that the state legislature or the governor could call a special section uh, or convene a special session of the state legislature. And that is exactly what Governor Comstock was faced with in November and December of 1934. So the November 1934 election took place amidst a uh, actually a very dramatically changing political situation, not only in Michigan, but in the United States as a whole. And that background political information is actually really important to the uh, lasting impact of the Kearns Hotel fire, believe it or not, and we're going to talk about that here in a moment. But before we get to that point, we have to take a step back to the political situation that's going on in Lansing and why the uh, legislature was called by the governor into town for a special session. November 1934, the election takes place. And for the Office of Attorney General, the Democratic candidate disputed the election results in Wayne County. Uh, he had anticipated that he would win the election, or at least it would be close. And when the results were counted, or at least reported to him, he had lost by a fairly substantial margin. And believing that some sort of fraud had taken place, he lodged a formal complaint alleging exactly that. And because the state constitution was vague as to what procedures existed or policies existed to deal with allegations of election fraud, this turned out to be an ongoing issue throughout the month of November of 1934. So Governor Comstock convenes the state legislature in a special session, and they are called to Lansing, and the session is meant to begin on December 10th, which is a Monday. Lansing in 1934 had some similarities that it, it, it has with Lansing of 2023, but it had some differences as well. One of the big similarities in Lansing at the time was the prominence of the state legislature. After all, uh, if nothing else, the state legislature, when it meets, uh, you have a lot of people coming into Lansing. A lot of people that are very influential, actually, as it turns out. After all, they are the people that write laws. And then, of course, the other branches of government uh, are housed in Lansing as well. And so, therefore, the state government has an important presence in the city of Lansing. It is, after all, why the state legislature founded Lansing to begin with. So, in the 1930s and in the decades that preceded that and in the decades that have followed the 1930s, when the legislature is in session, there's an increased presence of people in downtown Lansing, people that do things like go to hotels and go to coffee shops and cafes and restaurants and bars, and all of that was certainly the same in uh, the 1930s as it is now. Actually, it was probably a little bit more back then than it is now. With the center of commerce in Lansing being more concentrated in downtown uh, than it is now. We've had many decades of suburban uh, growth and expansion since then. And so this area looks a little bit different than it did back then in the 1930s. In fact, this fire took place now over 90 years ago or almost 90 years ago. With that said, imagine being in downtown Lansing. It's December of 1934. So there's obviously the holiday season in the air. It's Christmas time. The legislature has been called into town for a special session to deal with a potentially very thorny issue. And so there is an air of excitement uh, that comes with this set of circumstances. 
So the governor has convened the legislature, and at 3 o'clock in the afternoon of Monday, December the 10th, 1934, this special session begins. For the next several hours, the lawmakers, many of whom, by the way, have booked rooms and are staying in the Kearns Hotel, begin debating what exactly they're going to do for the special session. And the debate really centered on that day of December the 10th of number one, what was the purpose of the special session? In other words, why had the governor called the legislature into session? And then second of all, they debated how that special session should even run. Uh, in particular, whether or not it should be a joint session between the state Senate and the state House. Ultimately, most of the legislative effort on December the 10th, therefore, focused on those two issues. Towards the end of the day, both chambers uh, adjourned for the day, agreeing to meet the next day. As lawmakers did at the time, they retreated to their overnight lodging. Now, the legislature in the 1930s was a little bit different than it is now. Um, Michigan has undergone some dramatic changes since then. The uh, makeup of the state house and the state senate is different. The uh, current state of Michigan constitution stems from the 1960s, actually. So it was written about 30 years after the Kearns Hotel fire. And it changed the way uh, Michigan's house and senate districts are apportioned. And it changed the number of legislatures in the state legislature, amongst other things. The reason why I mention all this now is because in the 1930s, the political situation in Michigan was changing, not because of structural changes that were going on in the state constitution, but because of broader national stuff. And I mentioned this a few moments ago, and I said I would get back to it, and I need to right now, because we're going to get into the hotel fire and we're going to get into the aftermath of the whole tough fire. But that aftermath is really hard to understand without this political background because it ended up resulting in a fairly substantial change in the political makeup of Lansing. So Lansing, um, part of Michigan, of course, had been uh, the state capital going all the way back to the 1840s, and therefore politics had established themselves in Lansing for almost 100 years by the time we get to the 1930s. And through that nearly 100-year period of time, the state had gone through the same political changes that were going on around the nation as a whole. And by the 1930s, what that meant was Michigan was a majority Republican state. I should say up to the 1930s, Michigan was a majority Republican state in terms of if you look at all the elections that took place and when the Republican Party was founded, which was right before the Civil War, through the 1930s, so it's a very long period of time, we're talking like 70 years in Michigan, the Republican Party had majorities in the state legislature and held the governor's office more times than it did not. So Michigan was a stalwart Republican state really from the time of the Civil War right through the 1920s. Now, 1932 changed that, or at least it started to change it. In Michigan, as in other places in the United States, the Democratic Party did very well in the 1932 election. And the reason why they did was because the economy was not doing very well. It was doing the exact opposite. It was doing very poorly. The 1930s, by the time we get to 1934, are the Great Depression in the United States. And it is a period of great economic uh, uncertainty, high unemployment, uh, a lot of business failures, and the political climate was 
very much unsettled from time to time because of the economic disruption caused by the Great Depression. So out of this, the United States as a whole undergoes a great political realignment in the 1930s where uh, voting groups that had voted Republican for sometimes generations going back switched. They started voting for the Democrats. And this started happening in, 19, in the state of Michigan in the 1930s too. So what you actually had in the 1930s was a competitive situation in Michigan politics. That's going to be important to our story here in the political aftermath of the Recurrence Hotel fire because when the special legislative session convened in December of 1934, the legislature was divided fairly evenly uh, between the Democrats and the Republicans. And in fact, 1934 had been a good year for the Republicans. They had recovered some of the losses they had suffered in the 1932 election. And as December the 10th, 1934 is just a, a little over a month after the election that had just taken place, politics is very much on the mind of the legislature. Now, with that little bit of a political uh, background, as well as a background of some other structural matters that were going on and we need to be aware of in Lansing in the 1930s, this gets us to the story of the hotel fire itself. And it's a very dramatic story. And the story goes like this. In the early morning hours of December the 11th, 1934, so it's Tuesday morning, the hotel is packed full of guests, many of whom are the legislatures, who just hours earlier had been in their post-individual uh, meetings with individual colleagues, members, all the sort of thing that one would expect from a legislature retreating into their after-hours spaces. Some guests in the hotel smelled smoke, and they were roused because of it. And so the knowledge of the fire spreading throughout the hotel room came from those who had first noticed the smoke, and it also came from some of the hotel staff, including a bellboy who the police interviewed after the fire was over and trying to investigate what happened. And in fact, this particular bellboy had been in contact with one of the state legislatures who was staying in the hotel. He, according to the police and fire reports that were issued out of the investigations that stemmed from the fire, he and one of the state legislatures, the bellboy and one of the state legislatures, had encountered one another in the hallway as the fire broke out. And the bellboy is reported to have told the legislature that there's smoke, there is a fire somewhere in this building, and I think it is coming from, and he pointed to and mentioned the name of the hotel manager, a uh, gentleman by the name of David Monroe. And David Monroe actually now, many years after the fact, and even in the uh, very short-term aftermath of the fire and the investigations that took place, David Monroe is believed to perhaps have even been the one who started the fire by carelessly tossing his cigarette after he had finished smoking it, and, well, he didn't put it out, and that seems to be what caused the fire, at least according to the investigations that took place after this fire happened. So, the fire is first noticed in the early morning hours, and eventually... 
The fire department is summoned through, you got it, the uh, alarm bell number 23, uh, the first being rain. And what unfolded very, very quickly was a fire of the most devastating consequences that you can imagine. The Kearns Hotel was built uh, in a way pretty common to the way commercial buildings were constructed at the time. It was a wood frame building that had a brick exterior. Much of the interior furnishments actually were uh, made of wood as well. And so once the fire broke out inside the building, the building basically burned from inside out. As fires oftentimes do, uh, after it had burned enough of the building that was no longer structurally sound, it became an extremely dangerous fire. And in fact, the reports that survive uh, of the fire and the effort that was made to fight it tell of the most horrific scene one can imagine of flames shooting dozens of feet high, in some cases into the air, and then of the walls being aglow and then collapsing inside with people uncertain as to the extent of life being lost. There were some reports of the day even of people jumping out of the hotel windows to try to save themselves from the uh, building burning up. The Kearns Hotel uh, had a notable first in Michigan, actually. It was the first hotel in the state of Michigan that had running cold water in all of the guest rooms. It was located right on the Grand River in downtown Lansing. And in fact, there's a historical marker there now that tells about the Kearns Hotel fire. And the crews came on scene of the fire and immediately realized the mess they had on their hands and the extent of the devastation. The Lansing Fire Department in 1934 had 97 men Two-thirds of those men, 72 of the 97, fought that fire, many of whom unfortunately were injured and some lost their life. It was a very uh, devastating fire for everybody involved in it. The guests who were in the hotel when it broke out, uh, people who were not in the fire department that tried to save some of the people who were fleeing the scene, and then, of course, the firefighters. Uh, those that nowadays we would call the first responders onto the scene. And the aftermath of the fire really does, uh, I think, more than anything, uh, illustrate the, the short and long-term consequences of when a terrible event like this happens and what it does to a community. And in the case of this fire, what it did not only to the community of Lansing, but to the state of Michigan as a whole. There were 34 people ultimately uh, who were killed in the Kearns Hotel fire. Seven of them were state lawmakers. 42 were injured, 14 of whom were uh, firemen. And five of the 32 who were killed, or five of the 34 who were killed in the fire were actually burned beyond recognition. And they are interred in, in a uh, mass grave in the very Mount Holt Cemetery that the Alarm Bell 23 Memorial now stands at. And I think, as you can imagine... In the immediate aftermath of the fire, people wanted to figure out what happened. They wanted to account for loved ones who may have been in the building. And unfortunately and sadly, uh, many of whom did not come out of it. 
So the immediate impact of the fire was many families who had their lives disrupted with loved ones who were lost in the disaster. And that, of course, should always be remembered. The lawmakers who died were John W. Goodwife, Vern Voorhees, Charles D. Parker, T. Henry Howlett, John Lydline, Donald C.S. and D. Knox Hanna. Uh, Hanna himself succumbed to injuries sustained in the fire uh, a few days after, but is counted as one of the seven lawmakers who perished in it. So this kind of gets us back to the political situation of the fire, the end result of it. Remember, the reason why the legislatures were in town to begin with, including those who stayed in the Kearns Hotel fire, was because of the special legislative session. And remember, from the beginning of the episode, the reason why the special legislative session was called was because of this disputed election over uh, the office of the Attorney General in Wayne County. So, the special legislative session was still in session. However, the scope of that session changed dramatically after the Kearns Hotel fire. And in fact, what the state legislature did in the days and weeks that followed the Kearns Hotel fire was, number one, arranged for special elections for the seven lawmakers' seats that were very tragically vacated due to the fire, and then also try to address the issue of the disputed election in Wayne County, and then also try to address or see if there is anything that the legislature could do in response to the fire itself. And out of all of those uh, renewed or different or changed uh, scopes of this special legislative session, we ended up having several things that resulted. The special elections that ended up being held out of necessity of the seven seats um, that were lost in the fire did end up being held. And the result of those seats was actually that the state legislature had a 50-50 split between Democrats and Republicans. The news of the fire spread very rapidly, not only around the United States, but actually even around the world. So the New York Times, uh, the Illustrated London News, British newspaper, as the name would, would suggest, uh, both had front page stories explaining uh, the fire, this horrible tragedy that had taken place in the Michigan capital. And newspapers all around the state of Michigan cover this and front page headlines for the day and the day after the fire. And then after that, the fire ended up being something that the lasting impact of it would only be realized really in the days and weeks and months and in some cases even years that followed. And along those same lines, actually, or along that line, one of the lasting consequences that came out of the Kearns Hotel fire was a law that the state legislature passed a version of it, by the way, it has stood on the books since, that mandated hotels in the state of Michigan be registered with the state fire marshal. Uh, any, Actually, any lodging, any uh, lodging building that has more than 10 beds in it, must register with the state fire marshal, agree to submit to annual inspections, agree to abide by a hotel safety code, and that is what the legislature did in the sort of immediate aftermath to try to, if they could anyways, come up with a response that would hopefully maybe 
prevent this sort of thing from happening in the future. And as oftentimes happens in a situation such as this, people really did try very, very hard to get to the bottom of the fire, what caused it, and then to see if there's anything that could have been done to prevent it. And one of the things that resulted out of that, actually, is the idea that in a hotel, there has to be in place an evacuation plan. There has to be knowledge of where all the fire suppression equipment is in the building, of who's responsible for using it. Is it the fire department? Is it hotel staff? If it is hotel staff, do they know how to use it? Do they know where it's located? All the sorts of things that make up a really important part of a, of a building's fire evacuation plan nowadays and fire suppression plan. Uh, unfortunately, stuff like this oftentimes comes out of a tragedy. And that happens to be the case here. Last thing I'll say about the current hotel fire is to encourage all of you to think for a moment about fires and about what happens when a fire breaks out and what happens after a fire breaks out. All the people whose lives are changed from it. And we absolutely always want to remember the lives that are tragically lost in fires. But also we want to remember the lives that are impacted by the fire afterwards. And that includes the firefighters who truly have, if not the most dangerous job in the world, it's certainly got to be right up there with it. Next time you are contemplating such a thing, think for a moment about Alarm Box 23 in Mount Hope Cemetery. And think also for a moment about the Lansing Fire Department, all the fires that's fought through the years, and why a group like the Box 23 Club has to exist. You've been listening to Land Stories with me, David Seawick. For more information on this program and to stream past episodes, visit lccconnect.org. LCC Connect is the official home of the voices, vibes, and vision of Lansing Community College, offering hours of original and exciting programming. Hosted by faculty, staff, and community members, LCC Connect explores our college's work in the community, important topics in higher education, and our vision for the future. Catch the vibe on 89.7 FM or online at lccconnect.org. Until next time, remember, keep telling good stories.